This is a Neil Prendeville Show production for Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. The following episode contains sensitive content. Listener discretion is advised. Jamie Nagel got on stage one day and he forgot to get off. I was besotted with him. He was the love of my life. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was perfect. And as the saying goes, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And it was. When I was wiping my own blood off the wall, I was literally looking at it going, this is not okay. This is a story about love and trust gone wrong. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. Is that the thing I've ever had to do? I'm Jamie Nagel. I was born in 1993, and then everything went to. Jamie used to always say to me, "You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make this up." Previously, Jamie was spending the morning in the courts to try and get all of this money released, and then in the evening he was a TV personality. Graham Norton is in this week, and he might get to see him and meet him for a couple of minutes. So he came back one day and he sat me down and he was shaking. He had been diagnosed with MS. I was going to be admitted to hospital early because my little boy, there were some complications and basically they were worried that I would go into labour. While I was in hospital though, it did give me a chance to kind of do a little bit of digging. This was the first time in so long that Kathleen has an extended period of time to herself. Time to start digging from her hospital bed. I'd asked him for my laptop, which I had stupidly left behind when I left the house. And he was a bit reluctant to drop it up to me. But when he did, I opened the laptop and there was like, it was a, it's a MacBook. Um, and there was a little whirl spinning on it and nothing was working. It was just a black screen with a whirl spinning. And my friend works in Apple, so I actually contacted her. And I said, I sent her like a screenshot. I said, what is going on? And she was like, Oh no. And I was like, what? Oh no. And she was like, well, it looks like the laptop's been wiped, like, you know, back to like factory settings. There's not even, I don't even think it was software in it or something. I like, I knew nothing. And I was like, what do you mean it's wiped? So I got onto Jay and I was like, you know, Jay, <laughs> what happened to the laptop? And he was like, I don't know. He was like, my laptop is wiped. Of course, you know, you were the only one that had it. What happened to it? He was like, I'll send you up my laptop. Give me that laptop back and I'll send you up mine. So whatever was on that laptop was obviously so important that he couldn't risk me getting somebody to look at the laptop because I'm not that tech savvy. So there was a lot of information on that. Well, all of your all of your email threads to all of the different Maxes and Brian's and Aaron's and Adams and Greg's and Jamal's and Haley's and Marks and Simon's and yeah. Noah's. I could I could log into that those emails anywhere. You know what I mean? I had about three or four different email addresses. Okay. You know, um, for all the of the businesses. invoices then that were being sent but, out, or the screenshots of this so-called yeah, bank account. Invoices, and, yeah, everything. Like you know, we, I had just changed my phone number as well because. Right. The, the Vodafone phone that we had, the bills were gone up into the five and 6,000 unpaid um, and we couldn't pay them. So I had to change my phone number. And of course, you know, I lost all of my WhatsApp conversations from a certain time frame. Now, thankfully, I was still in contact with um, Greg, the barrister, and Aaron at a point, And I actually had started exporting the WhatsApp conversations to my e- my own personal email. Why? Um, because I knew there was something wrong. 
I knew I knew there was something not right. So my gut instinct was like export as much as I possibly can while I can from my home. And then when I went if, into if, the hospital, yeah, just in hindsight, if you had okay, so now uh, earlier on we spoke about the penny starting to drop, but it didn't drop enough for you after the physical assault, the very violent assault in the in the apartment to pick up the phone and 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 call the police. Is that something that you regret now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Jesus. And I think it was because I was so close to the end of the pregnancy that I kind of just, I didn't want to do anymore, if that made sense. I, you know, I just wanted to have my baby. I was, you know. I know. He's told you that he's been scammed, Mm. clearly meaning he's been scammed now out of over 300 million pounds, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's all gone. Um, yeah. And, and you're, you're back in Cork. H- how are you thinking now? I'll be honest with you. I actually think, right, I think I was numb, right? I think that there was so much afternoon thrown at me over the last six months that I was just numb to everything. I think being in hospital was probably the best place for me at that point because of, well, my my mental health at that point was so bad. But it also gave me time to stop and think without him being in my ear because he was in my pocket all the time. I was never really without him apart the time when he ran home to his mother. Mm. But, you know, I, I had this time in hospital to sit and to really think and that's what I started doing. So he sent me up his laptop. Bearing in mind, right, he'd only got this laptop like a few months per, and it was a, a MacBook. And this MacBook was worth thousands. It was brand new. And I was like, Jesus, he really wanted the old MacBook so bad. He was willing to give me the new one. And he was like, oh, why do you need a laptop so bad? And I was like, because I need to watch TV. I can't watch it on my phone. Like, I didn't have an iPad or anything. I was like... I really want to watch, like, the laptop is so handy. At this point, I was starting to kind of be a little bit clever with him because I was like, I'm not going to tell him that I'm using it because I need to go digging. I was just like, I just need to use it to watch the TV. But he was questioning me, why do you need the laptop? But he sent it up anyway, thankfully. So I got the laptop and I started going back to things. I first started with the barrister. So I had asked the barrister previously for his full name the company that he was with, you know, like his own, it was his own, whatever, legal company and, you know, all the details. So I went on to the website for the character and yes, he did exist. And this company was in London. So I started, I, I emailed him and I said, hi, Simon, you know, this is Kathleen, you've been dealing with me. Can you just confirm that I have the correct details for you and that you are the correct barrister that can work and explain what we were going through? And I got an email back. You know, hi, Kathleen. Um, I don't really know what's going on here. I have never oh, been in contact with Mr. Jamie Nagel. I have no idea of this case. I feel like somebody is impersonating me. Please do not contact me again. I am contacting the London Metropolitan Police. But I actually got nervous then because I was like, oh my God, they're contacting the police. What if they think that I'm involved, right? Like as in maybe that I was involved in impersonation. So I got a call from a weird number then. Um, it was a UK number. 
and I answered it. And it was a lovely um, police constable from the London Metropolitan Police. So I spent about an hour, an hour and a half on the phone with her, explaining my story, what had happened, how, you know, he was saying we were scammed and this, that and the other. And she didn't say a whole pile to me. She just basically said to me, look, she said, I've actually dealt with situations like this before. She said to me, you know, she was really, she was like, from a woman to a woman, you know, from a mother to a mother, you need to get a far, as far away from this person as possible. She said, he's very, very dangerous. She said, you're not going to see it straight away. That's, you know, all the manipulation and the lies, she said, but I can tell you now, just off the record, that you need to get away as fast as possible to care of your children. And she said, if you ever need me for anything, you know, you have my number, here's my name, here's my details, please get in touch with me if there's anything I can help you with. If you're ever back in London or if there's ever anything you need, you have my details. She genuinely sounded really, really concerned mm. for me. And also, she so genuinely I, believed you. Yeah, she did. And I, I think she knew by when I was on the phone. Like, I, I think I was hysterically crying and I just, you know, I was, I was telling her the story and I kept saying, I was like, I remember kept saying to her, I know it sounds crazy and she was like, but it doesn't. She, she said, I hear this all of the time. You think this is, you know, a once-off. She said, you, believe, you don't believe how much this actually happened. Remember John, Jamie's ex-employee? Do you believe that people should be warned against him and told about him? Yeah, but they wouldn't believe you because when you meet this fella, you think there's no way it'd be like that. There was a, a girl working in the office. I think she was only 17 at the time. I told Kathleen that he had to make um, an intervention that um, I was trying to crack onto the 17-year-old. And I nearly broke up my marriage with it. Really? Yeah, <laughs> because Kathleen said it to my wife, nearly broke up my marriage. So then I, I had to, I came to her and I said, Jamie, look, you have to meet me. Kathleen has to meet me. Four of us sit down and we get to the bottom of this. And Kathleen's like, oh yeah, 100%, I'll do that because this is what he told me. And Jamie wouldn't do it. He was like, no, no, I never said that Kathleen's making up lies. I was like, why would Kathleen make it up? Like, He'd, he'd, he'd say any story just to take the attention off him. Like a con man would con a few people, but he's just constant, 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 constant. Like it's just non-stop. Then I got on to the Gordon Pool agency. I started emailing them. Now we're back to the Gordon Pool agency that that allegedly represents all of these superstars yeah. that wanted to take him on to yeah. become a DJ on radio, a motivational speaker, yeah. and a comedian. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that he was happy just to drop to leave London. You know, he was willing to leave it all behind. Bless him, yeah. all for my sake. Yeah. So I contacted them, and to be fair to them, they got back to me quite quite quickly, and they were like, "Look, we have had no." Uh, people, we definitely don't have a no working for us and we absolutely did not have a Jamie Nagel um, and we're also not based in London. <laughs> they were like in, I don't know, Bristol or something or, and I was like, okay. You know, he emailed back and he, he kind of like was like, haha, I'm so sorry, but you know, I think somebody's pulling your leg. Mm. You know, I think he was literally reading the email going, oh, this poor child. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> like, God. God love her. So then I was like, okay. So my next thing was to contact the hotel because I was like, okay, look, there's a lot of equipment over there. Maybe I could get some of it 
sent over and we can I'll sell it and I'll make some money. Like there's IMAX and stuff there and, you know, like child is coming, we haven't a penny. I get on to the hotel. So I ring the hotel anyway and they were literally like No problem. Um yes, there's you know, your items are still here under the name of Jamie Nagel. And I said, Oh brilliant. I was like, Look, I'm just wondering is there any way that we can arrange a career to get them over or, you know, whatever and she was like absolutely no problem once the balance is settled we send them over and I was like okay how much is the balance and she was like £12,400 and I just went what? £12,500 pounds and I was like what? and she was like Yes, it appears that Mr. Nagel paid twelve hundred on arrival, and he promised to pay the rest on leaving, and didn't pay. <laughs> it was like like we walked out of that hotel. Well, actually, you ran I out walked. of it, I believe, didn't you? You, you wanted to get out really <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah, okay. Like, well, I waddled out of it. Yeah. You know, actually, it was really weird because my feeling at that moment was the absolute utter like shock. I had, I was like in my head going, "Imagine if we were stopped leaving." But I think what he did, because he did go to the desk. I remember him going to the desk when we were leaving. I'd say what he told them is that, look, I have a lot of stuff still upstairs. I'm not, I'm just taking her somewhere and I'll be back to clear everything out and I'll settle you up then. And I contacted HMRC, I contacted CPS and there was no records of any court proceedings or any court to deal with any any of the names involved. I searched high and low for this Aaron. He had a very unusual spelling of his name. I had a photo of him. I still have a photo of him. I have a photo of his wife. You know, I have photographs of these people that do not, you know, that just vanished off the face of the earth. We have these photos of all these so-called people, but they're not who he claimed them to be. The photos are stock images, someone else's identities. (laughs) Within the coming days, I was kind of saying it, to Jamie and he was like no I'm telling you like, he still stuck to the story that he had been scammed he would not budge from that Did you confront him about all of the lies regarding the you know the barrister the the agency the yeah. unpaid debt the fact that there wasn't any investigation by the CPS or the HMRC did you and what did he say to all of those which were plain well, as day the barrister, he just said, well, he had me fooled as well. He was obviously, you know, this person was pretending to be Simon, so I obviously don't know who he was. Then he was saying about the hotel, he actually didn't really comment much on it. He was like, don't worry, I'll sort it. But he still had answers for everything. The CPS and the and the British oh, yeah, Revenue, yeah, yeah. what and did he like, say about that? And he was like, I don't know. I just don't know. My name should be there. It should be there. And then he was like, oh... Maybe maybe you were looking in the wrong court. Like maybe it was the one down this one. I was like, like I'm after trying all over London. Like, no, you're the and he was like, Well, they don't know what that's all about and again because I was being scammed, maybe they didn't even have my documents down. I don't even know what I was signing over there. I don't even know what I was signing. They were just giving me pieces of paper, handing them to me to sign. And I was like, So you weren't reading anything they were giving you to sign? And then I was like, but I thought you went to Greg's office on a regular basis. I was like, where's Greg's office? Like, what's the name? What's the address? And he was like, well, they were actually like WeWorks. And I was like, what do you mean they were WeWorks? And he was like, Greg, you always meet me in WeWorks. I was like, but you told me he met you in his fancy office. He's like, no, I didn't want you to worry. And I was like, so you were meeting this person in a shared office space who was this high-end forensic accountant that you were meeting in a shared office space that people who are starting out in business use because they can't afford an office. 
that's what you're telling me. And he was like, yeah, I knew there was something up with it, all right. But you, you, might be, you might be laughing now, but you must have been sick to your stomach, like as if you were dealing with the protestations of a child. Oh, like, I just, I think I was just in shock. I had so many questions. Where all the money, like the initial money, where did that come from? Where did it go to? Who was it from? Whose money was that? Whose 25 grand paid for my salon? Whose 25 grand paid for his shop? That's, that, you know, our salon, my salon and his his office must have cost in the region, like, because he changed his and he had, like, high-tech stuff in his. Had to be. The two of them in the region of 60 grand. Like, who paid for that? Who parted with that large amount of money? I have so many questions. And someday I'm going to make it back to London and I'm going to go back to the bank because I still have all my bank cards. I still have all my bank accounts and somebody has to give me some answers about what transactions, what actually was in the account, what was real, what was fake. Did you manage to use, just remind me again, did you actually manage to use the HSBC credit card or debit card or what have you? Up until the time the accounts were frozen. I was using it up to that point. Yeah. How much would have been in it when they were frozen? Um, supposedly, the last time I saw it, that Jamie showed me the, you know, on the computer, there was about 890000 from my memory. But part of me wonders, was, was what he was showing me real? Yes, but that's the thing. We yeah, were, yeah, yeah. You know, we were actually spending. And as I said, all of my salon, all of his shop, Everything was coming out of that card, so there was easily there had to be close to sixty or seventy grand at least in it to cover our expenditures and everything in between. So there had to have been money, and I think I don't know if our rent coming out of it at one point as well. It was too, yeah. So it was paying for everything at one point. And there was money going in on a weekly basis. There was was it always yeah. five grand, or was, what did you say at one stage it was upwards of ten grand a week and fifteen yeah, a week? It, it, like by the time we started seeing it, it was you know um, the you know the, the the Sean Young at the start had you know paid us whatever the two hundred thousand that he owed us. Then we got another you know two hundred grand for another retainer of a job, and then that's where it was going up to around the eight nine. And then you know, I remember the day he came in to me and my family said we've made our first million. And he showed me the computer again. He brought up the laptop and he was like literally nearly dancing up and down. And I was like, you are joking. Like, we're but to this day, you, yeah, I remember you said you thinking that, my you God, know? we are millionaires. <laughs> but to this day, you don't know if that was a fake or made up bank account. Of course, you just don't know what's true or what's a lie. I don't know, because he was so good at doctoring documents. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, up until this day, he still, you know, you know, I recently found out because he hasn't seen his kids in nearly a year, but he was telling, you know, his girlfriend that he was um, in court with me fighting for um, access. And he's showing her all these letters from a solicitor in Middleton. And she told me, she said she had the letters in her hand. They're on headed paper. I've never heard from him in nearly a year or seen him. Like, he's never come near his kids. He's never paid me. You know, he hasn't paid maintenance. I, so he's still, like, and he is really good at doctoring them. I actually, you know... I've Did You you never him. got a solicitor's letter from any other side or any other party? No, nah, 
No. Okay. And did you go to court for maintenance? Did you go to court for maintenance at any stage? No. Okay. Okay. And I, I refused to do so because I, I genuinely, do you know why I didn't go to court for maintenance? Because I know that money is coming out of someone else's pocket. He is robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I knew if he was paying me maintenance every week that somebody else was doing without. I'm okay. I can support my kids and I've made sure I can, you know, I would do anything for them. Okay. Did you ever see him, did you ever see him doctoring documents or making up documents? Yeah, at the very, very beginning, just when I fell pregnant, he was doctoring a free mobile document because he needed proof of address and he was doctoring it to change the address and the date. And he was doing this and he was like, oh, he was like, you can actually get the correct font that they use. You can download this. And I was looking at him going, oh, my God, like how? And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, oh, I'd only do it now for something like this where I just need proof of address and I wouldn't have it yet because I haven't been here long enough. You left hospital having given birth to your second baby. OK, so we obviously still had the house in Douglas at this point. Jamie had told me, don't worry. So the night before I leave hospital on our son, Jamie rings me at 7 o'clock. I think it was actually 10 past 7 in the evening because I remember looking at the clock and I genuinely think time stood still at that moment. And he said to me, we have a problem. Coming up on You Couldn't Make This Up. Can you imagine what it must look like for Joe down the road that's owed 3000 for electrical work and he sees on Facebook that Jamie Nagel is off with his girlfriend swanning around in Barcelona staying in a five-star hotel. We came back and my dad like, literally was starting to lose his mind at this point and he said, Jamie, what are you doing? And he just goes, I can't deal with this. And he left. My boy was four days old. This is a Neil Prendival Show production for Cork's Red FM.